Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Big Ten Powerhouse. This is our first official podcast which is pretty exciting. Um, just a little background on the site, if you uh, if this is your first time checking us out. Um, we are a member of SB Nation, uh, perhaps the, uh, the most exciting sports site on the Internet right now. Um, we cover all the Big Ten basketball teams, um, all 12 right now, and 14 in, what, another couple of weeks here um, when we get Maryland and Rutgers. Um, yeah, we've, uh, um, the site is run by myself, uh, Thomas Bendit, and then, um, Brian Steedman, who should be calling in in a couple seconds or so, um, to join as we, uh, chat some Big Ten, uh, hoops. Um, while we're waiting for him, I will, uh, I'll introduce myself a little bit more, uh, I'm Thomas Bendit. I, I've been, geez, writing, blogging for a few years now. Um, I attended, I'm native <laughs> and slash resident of uh, Michigan. Um, grew up here all my life, University of Michigan. Um, state, uh, Michigan State and Ohio State fans might not like to hear that, but that's uh, where I went. I um, graduated last year. Um, right now I'm in law school. And I currently am the manager of Big Ten Powerhouse. Um, and then I also write for uh, Wolverine 247, which is uh, the 247 site for Michigan, um, cover basketball there, which has been uh, pretty exciting the last two years, obviously. They, uh, <laughs> the team and program has been uh, pretty solid. Uh, it was a good time to uh, get involved, I guess. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if, uh, Brian's quite in here yet, but, um, uh, he should be in a couple seconds, um, and, Brian, are you here? Um, I can hear you, I'm not sure if I went through. Yep, okay, I got you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm here then. Okay, uh, Brian, if you want to just introduce yourself for a couple seconds here. Um, not too too much to say. I guess I'm the other managing editor of Big Ten Powerhouse. Uh, Brian, actually, everyone does say it Steedman. We actually say it Steadman, even though oh, spelling okay. doesn't really. The spelling looks <laughs> not like that. Oops. But, yeah, so besides uh, Big Ten Powerhouse, I write a little bit for Purdue's 247 Sports website. And then other than that, not too, too much. I actually, one of the probably few people on the site who don't live really too, too close to a Big Ten school, kind of close, not too far from Michigan, but I'm actually from Toledo, 
So it was about 40 minutes of Michigan, about two hours of Ohio State. But yeah, I live on Ohio, Michigan state line and really don't the, really see too much that's work and run. <laughs> the border battle. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so. Definitely, because uh, it's, yeah, it's definitely split between Michigan and Ohio State. Besides football, there's uh, some Notre Dame fans for football, but not so much for college basketball. Okay, okay. It's uh, definitely an interesting area for fan from the fan perspective. Um, yeah, so why don't we uh, we get into things here. Um, it's probably going to be me and Brian for most of the podcast. Uh, one of our other writers is going to call in a little later to talk a little more about the draft. But, um, yeah, so um, season's over. Uh, haven't had a chance to chat about what's going on too much. Um, so what were your reactions to the uh, – the NCAA tournament, just Wisconsin, the only Big Ten team to make the Final Four, um, just in general to what the Big Ten did uh, this year? Uh, they spent most of the season really just kind of beating up on each other. It was just kind of like whenever you thought a team finally was going to be the team, they just found a way to lose. And then they just <laughs> by the time the tournament came around, it was like, oh, they're Probably just gonna start all getting knocked down, and they did a lot better than I expected. To be mm-hmm. honest, but yeah, uh, I, I didn't think Michigan would do as good as they did. And in Michigan State, I uh, had a chance to go further than they did, and Wisconsin just wouldn't lose for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I was a little mixed. Um, I, I definitely Michigan. I thought they. Um, they caught a break with Duke going down in the first round. Um, I just I wasn't sure about that matchup. But, yeah, I mean, for them, I mean, just in general, they made it as far as their seeding, you know, on its face would indicate. You know, they were a two seed, made it to the Elite Eight. Um, obviously lost the heartbreaker to Kentucky. Um, well, I mean, Wisconsin lost <laughs> almost the exact same way uh, in the Final Four. But, um, yeah, Michigan State went far. I mean, at least, at least from my perspective, I thought the only team that under underachieved was uh, Ohio State going out against Dayton. Uh, did you feel the same way, or kind of? Um, if it weren't for the tail end of the season, I would say Iowa getting knocked out right away mm-hmm. could have been, but they're kind of just all over the place as the season went on. So them losing when they did just wasn't too big of a surprise, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they were a. Uh... I remember leading into the tournament, um, everyone seemed pretty confident about Iowa making it in and making it in with a strong bid. But um, I think you actually posted an article with the blind resume, and uh, I think that was the first time that it really sank in that, uh, yeah, Iowa was not a lock for the tournament, and frankly, they barely made it in. Um, yeah, it's such a such an odd team all year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what... Do you have any reactions to the um, the non NCAA teams? Um, Minnesota, Illinois, um, Penn State in the uh, the NIT and the um, uh, CBI. Um, not too too much. I mean, Minnesota had a good run and whatnot. I mean, those teams is like maybe they'll build from it, but it's. In the past, there used to be, oh, postseason, you gain experience playing in, like, a playoff-type experience. 
And mm-hmm. now it's just it's scattershot. When Purdue went to the CBI a couple of years ago, and that really actually didn't do anything. And they actually more or less kind of embarrassed themselves by losing early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the uh... – yeah, it seems like it's always a big controversy on whether the team wants to go to the CBI or not. Um, I think, it, what was it, Indiana this year who remarked that they, they weren't going to play in the CBI because they were Indiana, which uh, <laughs> I'm sure the CBI people didn't like to hear. But, um, yeah, I, uh, what? Well, the one thing with the CBI, too, is it's more play, basically. So mm-hmm. not every school, because, I mean, you're going to probably lose money and then, the question is, is it the extra games worth it? And plus, a lot of schools kind of look down on it. So I can definitely see why Indiana does it. But going out and saying that, especially after their season didn't really pan out the way they wanted to, just not the smartest idea for choice of words, basically. Yeah, definitely. It probably wasn't the smartest PR move, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for me, I thought, I mean uh, – Minnesota, obviously, winning the NIT was uh, pretty big. I mean, obviously, I, I'm pretty sure if you asked any Minnesota fan, they would have rather taken an NCAA bid than winning the NIT. But, um, I mean, I think that matters. I think it definitely uh, helps build your program, even if it's, you know, small. And I think um, the other thing, too, is I, I thought, um, you know, Illinois, I think, what, they won their first game and then got knocked out in the second round, I thought. I'm pretty sure. Um but they had the disadvantage because they didn't get to play at home, even though they should have, uh, because they had those renovations going on, which was, uh, I mean, what uh, what what unfortunate timing <laughs> for them. But um, yeah, I thought I thought all the teams, um, you know, you wish Penn State or Illinois had made it a little further, but I I definitely thought that um, the NIT and the uh, CBI teams only added to the. Uh, what I thought was a really good postseason for the Big Ten. You know, the NIT, or NIT usually does a bit. The CBI is scattered just because the competition starts to just drop mm-hmm. off pretty much dramatically. But yeah, like yeah. Minnesota going to NIT, and they got enough games in there that they could definitely be a building experience. Definitely with the first year, uh, Tino's first year at Minnesota, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought it was a, it was definitely an interesting season, um, especially from the conference perspective. I I remember doing a uh, a post a couple of weeks ago, basically questioning whether the Big Ten or the Big Twelve was the best. Um, I know there was a lot of a lot of split. What was your take on that? I take the Big Ten over the Big Twelve. I think the last past few years, back before it got neutered because of a conference on realignment. The Big East is probably mm-hmm. the best, but now I mean, the SEC is top heavy, the ACC isn't as strong, and Pac-12 is the Pac-12, so it looks like to an extent the Big Ten. The problem with the Big Ten is it seems like it's more likely to have teams that just kind of beat up on each other, and so the teams that are the good teams don't look as strong just because they don't come in and just dominate the conference from beginning to end. Yeah, that, that's exactly what what my perspective on was it on the conferences were. And um, I just thought, you know, I thought at the top, maybe the Big 12 edged out the Big 10 a little bit. Um, obviously, we didn't see that in the postseason, but um, uh, I thought they maybe edged them out a little bit. But when you get down there, you know, 
TCU was just so bad, and the Big Ten didn't have a team that was even close to as bad as that. I mean, Northwestern was, I think, the lowest Ken Palm team, and they weren't even that bad. So, I mean, I thought it was really – the statement was true from top to bottom. The Big Ten was a really quality conference this year. Um, I don't know how that's going to change with Rutgers, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I definitely think it's uh, – um, a stable conference. I think there's a lot of coaching talent. I think there's a, I don't know, a lot of stability, <laughs> which I think is odd in these days. Uh, do you agree with that? or For the most part, and Rutgers, they for a little bit looked like they were going to build, but with the coaching issues and whatnot, I mean, and then the Louisville game at the end of last year. But Maryland mm-hmm. definitely has enough talent. They're just, Maryland's been really inconsistent. They can just play up to their talent and keep it together. They definitely probably should be an NCAA caliber team. They just seems every year they just lose a handful of games they should win. But I mean mm-hmm. they could definitely come in and do some things straight from the get go in the Big Ten. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think um there's a couple teams that I feel like everyone perceives as wild cards next year. I think Michigan is. I think um uh, Maryland is, I think, uh, maybe Indiana a little bit. Um, you know, if a guy or two can become competent players and, you know, just be productive, any of those teams I feel like can do a lot of damage. And, um, yeah, Maryland, it just it seems like, you know, they'll have – they'll bring in these recruiting classes the last couple of years and, you know, they'll get up for a game here or there and then it's just like – to lose some random game that just wrecks their entire bid. But um, it was like yeah, yeah. It was like two two years ago, or I believe, when they beat Duke like twice in the season, and then they lost a bunch of games to like some of the worst, like the better teams in the ACC. And it's like, well, they beat Duke, and then they just couldn't build off of it because then they would lose something that they just had no business losing. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, I think part of that is you know um, I remember. Uh, Obviously, following Michigan, you know, a couple of years ago, Michigan would be, you know, they beat uh, Ohio State or Michigan State, and then they, like, they lost to Penn State the year they went to the Final Four. You know, it's just, I think, adding the consistency is just so key for them. But um, yeah, all right. Um, so why don't we move on to a little bit of a NBA draft talk here? Um, so. Obviously, everybody has announced or announced that they're coming back. Um, did you thought any? Did you think any were surprising or um, unexpected or made the wrong decision or anything of that nature? The most surprising one from when it was basically I was at work and then I stumbled across and read it was kind of a forced hand, and that was with Mitch McGarry pretty much having to declare so mm-hmm. that he would because he had to go in the draft or basically sit out the year. But, I mean, considering this year, he really couldn't just sit out and be suspended for an entire season, so he kind of had his hand forced there. But other than that, I didn't really take any issues with anyone leaving early. Yeah, yeah, I mainly agreed. Um, obviously, the McGarry one, it you hear you hear mixed stuff on whether, you know, if he didn't get that penalty, whether it would have come back or not. Um, I don't think anybody can honestly say with confidence which way he would have went. But um, 
clearly uh, the circumstances of that one were pretty wild. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I felt like most of the other ones were uh, pretty predictable. Um, Gary Harris, obviously, Vonley, um, Stauskas, GR3. Um, I felt like pretty much across the board, almost all of them were pretty expected. Um, and most of them, I, you know, I feel like a good hunk of them have a pretty solid shot of making a roster. Um, I guess, I guess moving on to the, the next part of it, um, obviously there are 150 mock drafts out <laughs> every other day. Um, is there anything that has surprised you about where the big 10 players are or, um, um, not too, too much. Uh, Von Lee's pretty high, but I think that's more of a potential because, I mean, he has the pieces, but he wasn't really, like, at times dominating in Indiana, but he has mm-hmm. the capability to do that. So I think if whoever drafts him that high, I mean, it's going to be banking on he'll be that guy because he's not quite there yet, but he could mm-hmm. be. And then, uh, yeah. Vasquez, I mean, with Stoskis, he developed from his freshman to his sophomore season. I mean, he improved from basically being like a three-point shooter in his first year to a well-rounded offensive player. But I'm wondering when he goes to the NBA if he's going to be more of a balanced player or some team's going to use him more like a six-man, put him on the wing and use him mm-hmm. mainly just from outside, from the perimeter. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I... Vonley is going to be very interesting because he, I definitely agree. I think he's 100% a potential pick. Um, you know, teams buying in and hoping that, you know, a couple of years down the line, he's developed enough to where he can be uh, a big time player for them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be interesting too. Cause I mean, uh, I feel like he'll be able to play a more natural position in the NBA and definitely, uh, um, hopefully if, you know, Indiana has a lot of problems with ball movement <laughs> and turnovers. So, I mean, it will be a uh, – if he gets with a good point guard, it will definitely be interesting to see what he can do with that. Um, for Stauskas, yeah, I mean, he uh, – I thought – I mean, obviously he was Big Ten Player of the Year, so he, he definitely was pretty solid um, this year. I think uh, it will be – it will definitely be interesting to see whether, you know, he turns back into sort of – "Quote unquote," the shooter, or whether he, uh, you know, progresses in other parts of his game. I definitely, I think, I think he's interesting in the fact that, like, I, I don't think he'll ever be an elite defender or somebody who's going to shut down guys, or maybe never even be average. But um, if he can become just all right and continue to progress offensively, like, he could definitely be a nice weapon, you know, in a, uh, especially in like a fast-paced offense. They definitely, basically, yeah, because we're going state fans, so if you can put someone who can run the court and just hit from outside, like Clay Thompson, who actually somewhat similar, not the best defender, but he can shoot, and plus he can mm-hmm. pass the ball pretty well, too, so he's always, I think I was reading something on Grantland, and he's like one of the people who runs around the most, because they track pretty much everything statistically for the NBA, mm-hmm. and he just all over the place and shoots from outside and he's developed a bit on defense or on defense, but he's still mainly an offensive guy, which 
probably isn't a huge surprise considering he plays for a Golden State, and they're not always the best team when it comes to defense either. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, another one of our writers has called in, uh, Ryan. I'm going to bring him on to the podcast right now. Uh, Ryan, can you hear us? Yes, I can. How you doing? Hello. Oh, I'm good. How are you guys? Good. good. I'm all right. Um, <laughs> uh, Ryan, why don't you uh, introduce yourself for a little for a little bit? Uh, yeah. Uh, Ryan Probasco. Uh, just graduated from Iowa. Uh, there I covered uh, the Iowa basketball team and Iowa football team last year uh, for the DI there, which is the student paper. Um, and now I'm starting work next week uh, at a law firm in Chicago. Um but other than that, I'm uh, excited to join you guys. How's everything going? Yeah, everything's going pretty well. Um, we uh, listen a little we bit. Did, I, we, I heard you guys started talking about the draft a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, there's a uh, um, Iowa prospect in the draft. Uh, what do you think yeah. about uh, Marvel's chances? Um, well, a lot of people. There, it seems like you know the people who know Devin and you know, are kind of more in the know have the sense that. Some teams are looking at him at the end of the first round, but um, more of the mainstream mock drafts, I guess more of the, the popular ones, the Fords, um, some some guys for ESPN and the MAG are, are more leaning towards him in the middle of the second round. Um, he's really – I'd be surprised if there's there's some players who have who've worked out for more teams than him by the end of this whole thing. Um, he's going to have, I, I want to say, at least 11 teams uh, – that he's worked out for uh, by the time by the 26th, which is draft day. Um, so yeah, I, I would think middle of the second round, the latest. It was always kind of split whether or not you know he's if he's going to get drafted or not. But I think it's it's pretty clear now that he's definitely out there as a guy that people think uh, can play at the next level. He's six. He's a legit six six. Um, he can definitely play the one and the two, which he did in college, and, and people think he can defend. Some threes in the NBA as well, so some teams like that versatility and the ability to to handle uh, three positions defensively. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's definitely an interesting prospect. I uh, that was one of the things you know in the lead up to the draft that I I keep rambling about uh, in uh, almost all my NBA articles is that uh, you know the I think one of the most overlooked parts is the lead up you know from your declaration date to your to draft night. I remember uh, last year. One of the big stories was Trey Burke sliding in the draft, and uh, right. I remember reading articles where it said he didn't work out for certain teams because he didn't think he was still going to be available. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing to bet that that played a factor. So it's definitely it's good to see that uh, Marvel's taking advantage of that, and um, you know maybe that'll move him up a couple spots versus where he would have been. Yeah, and he's got great representation too. He's with. Uh... B.J. Armstrong's group, who I know it's Derek Rose's uh, agent. I know he's got, I'm not sure specifically, but I think he's got about 10 other guys who are in the league as well. And B.J.'s got some Iowa ties. He played there. And Fran McCaffrey's very involved, and from what I've heard uh, in the process. And obviously he's got his dad, too, who played in the NBA, and he's helping him out mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, so, yeah, he's definitely doing his best to, to get his name out there. Um, so, yeah, it's just be interesting to see on draft night where he ends up. Yeah, um, yeah. So I guess a uh, one more prospect, arguably, you know, maybe the most debated one out of the whole Big Ten, uh, Aaron Kraft. Is he going to get drafted? Uh, 
<laughs> Brian, I'll let you uh, attack it first. <laughs> um, well, I mean, uh, yeah. He, I think he could. If he does. He'll probably be a late towards the end, second round, kind of because of, what was his name again? Another Ohio State player, was it John Diebler or whatever? I forget the last name or whatever, but he got okay. drafted a few years at the end, and I think some team might take a flyer on him, but when it comes to him playing this upcoming season, he'll either probably be in the D-League or he'll probably be overseas somewhere. All right, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. If I had to guess, I'd say no. Um, I, I just don't think there's enough there to to warrant a pick. Um, it, fan of, if I'm a fan of a team, I, I, I don't want my team to pick him. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. I, um, I'm I'm a little bit on the other side. I think he is going to get drafted. Um, I definitely don't think he's going to be a contributor or anything like that. But uh, I don't know. I just I feel like he's very well regarded among the coaching community, and I think uh, somebody somebody's going to take a shot. But um, yeah, I mean, who, who knows whether he'll actually you know make the roster when all is said and done? But uh, yeah, I, I think somebody will take a shot at him. Um, yeah, I guess uh, we'll just touch real quick on uh, I guess uh, another prospect that I think is a little bit intriguing is uh, Adrian Payne. I think um, almost it seems to be almost unanimous that he's going to go in the first round, or at least according to your uh, you know the main um, mock drafts. But um, what do you guys think? He seems to be getting a lot of talk about the age, the age issue. Um, obviously, he graduated in fourth year. Uh, um, uh, four years at Michigan State. Um, do you guys think that's a should be a factor, or um, at least in this case? Uh, I mean, it's definitely a factor. It's 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 in what teams look at. I don't know if it's you know high up on people's lists. Um, I think he's a, a definitely an excellent prospect, though, and I wouldn't be you know upset if I were a fan of a team and my team ended up taking him up. I, I guess I could compare it to what the Bulls did with Taj Gibson uh, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Taj was an older, an older guy coming out of USC, um, and so he's a few years in the league now, but he's older as far as his experience goes, and that didn't seem to stunt his development at all. I ended up helping him actually. And every situation okay. is different, obviously, um, but I don't think the fact that he's a little bit older than other guys that team should we teams should be you know persuaded not to take him. Um, I still like him, and he seems to be flying up a lot of boards. I see him as high as, you know, 13 in some picks. A lot of them mm-hmm. have him going in that, you know, 16 to 20 range, but I've seen as high as 13. So um, it doesn't seem to be, as far as what the the main mock drafts guys are getting their intel, it doesn't seem to be hurting his stock too much. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Brian? Basically the same thing. I mean, even if people put a knock on him for being a little bit older, if they think he has the talent or – you can contribute to the team. They're still going to draft him because it's not like, not like a Brandon Whedon where he's insanely older than everybody else. It's a small enough difference that I mean, if he can play and the team likes him, they're going to pick him. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think one of the biggest myths is uh, people always talk about, oh, well, this guy's going to be too old. He can't go because I mean, if you actually look most NBA players don't end up being all that old, especially when you're talking about um, just your average run-of-the-mill guy. Um, 
I definitely think people are overselling it. Um, I heard it a lot with Mitch McGarry. I mean, obviously it's not a factor now, but uh, I just I think it's definitely overrated. Um, yeah, so I mean, um, so when all said and done, how do you guys think this uh, draft class is going to be remembered as a uh, – um, I remember doing an article a couple of weeks ago, you know, saying that potentially this could be the best one since uh, 2000. Do you think that will end up being true, or um, do you think some guys will slide? Uh, we'll start with you, Ryan. Uh, in terms of the Big Ten or overall? Uh, the Big Ten, just the Big Ten. Big Ten, I, I definitely like it. Um, Vonley certainly looks to be the top guy now, at least as far as, you know, where he's going to go. Um there's an argument to be made of whether or not he's going to end up being the the best pro coming out of the Big Ten, but um, you're looking at a solid, you know, four guys with Stauskas, Harris, Vonley, and Payne that are probably going to go in the top 20. Um, and I I definitely like all those guys, um, with McGarry possibly sneaking into that first round as well. Five guys, you'll, you'll probably take that any year. And as loaded as this uh, – draft is i think that's pretty impressive so i definitely like the prospects uh all in their own right um so yeah i'm I'm definitely on board with this being one of the better big 10 classes in in quite a while okay uh brian i we actually are running out of time so i uh i can't uh let you respond here but um yeah thanks uh ryan and brian for uh calling in here um this is our our first podcast in site history so it's pretty exciting um thanks for everyone who is tuned in and, uh, yeah, we hope to do this more often. Um, and, yeah, uh well, see you guys later. Absolutely. Thanks. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.